Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's the odd pod from the Clubbed Up Football Podcast. Welcome to the Clubbed Up Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Well, hello. Hello, Rob. Yeah, well, I'm very excited to finally be with you and recording an odd pod. Always a moment when we record an odd pod, right? For those of you who aren't regular listeners, an odd pod is where we take our Tuesday recap show, Thursday pick'em show, and merge them together to form a beautiful marriage in the, I don't know, uh, a single pod episode that covers so many, but I, I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, I think my explanation is, um, is sufficient, even if you're new to our fair pod and, um, all because I managed to lock my keys in my car and miss our normal recording slot. So sorry, gents, sorry, everyone in Listenland, but, but an odd pod it is as a result. And we've got plenty to squeeze in great week to recap some big, big news coming out of the wonderful world of the NFL and also games in the week ahead that include the JB Rosa Bowl. Um, I can't wait to get to that. Steelers, Cardinals, all to come. But um, before we go any further, um, for those of you who spent week 12 with your eyes closed, um, let me give you a brief recap of everything you missed. And I'm going to start off with Thanksgiving with the Lions, who were on a roll and finally about to buck the trend of their Thanksgiving defeat only to be turned up by a remarkable Jordan Love performance as the Green Bay Packers go out of Detroit, 29-22 winners. The Cowboys had no such problem as favourites, beating the Commanders 45-10, and the 49ers rounded out the festivities with a remarkable 31-13 victory over divisional rivals Seattle. We then moved to Thursday Night Football Friday edition, which saw the Miami Dolphins absolutely obliterate the New York Jets 34-13 in the end for Tua and Co. And then in another pod-based battle, we had Aldrin's Colts winning by 27 points to 20 over PB's Bucks. Then, I mean, how on earth does this even happen? The New York Giants won another game. Well, the how it happens is you play against Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi leading a New England Patriots side. It ended up 10-7 for the team in blue. And then the Bengals look at life post-Joe Burrow um, with a bit more trepidation. After it didn't really come together for them, the Steelers on defense swarming the Bengals offense on a way to a 16.10 win. It was then for the Tennessee Titans to finally return to winning ways against a Panthers team that not only failed to put up many points, but also failed to save the job of, as their, of their head coach as Frank Reich is out the door after just 11 games in charge of the Panthers. And then in a game that I think still leaves me feeling good about both teams in the AFC South, it was the Jags who managed to just edge out the Texans, winning 24 points to 21. 
The Falcons prove that you don't have to be a great team to win a great number of games. They're back to winning ways, putting up 24 points, beating a pretty hapless New Orleans Saints team that even multiple interceptions from the Honey Badger couldn't really impact the overall scoreline. And then we know the Cardinals are a bad team, right? But when a bad team play badly, really bad things happen. And it was the LA Rams who felt like they didn't get out of third gear but still managed to put up 37 points, winning 37-14 over Arizona. The Broncos may be playing teams at good times, and a Browns team down to its third quarterback certainly fit that bill, but they still managed to look better no and better. Google. Russell Wilson All and Cortland Sutton both looked strong in a 29-point to 12 victory. You've then got arguably not only the game of the week, but one of the games of the season. The Bills look to be back to their best, the problem is they fought arguably the best team in the NFL this week, losing 37 points to 34 in overtime uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Chiefs made fast work of Las Vegas, and any concerns about Kansas City being contenders are now well and truly out. The Chiefs winning 31 to 17. And then all that leaves is prime time. The Ravens didn't have to do much, but their defense maybe did all the heavy lifting, holding Herbert and the Chargers to 10 points in a 20-10 win. And then if we thought that was low scoring, um, the Pastronaut in Minnesota, Josh Dobbs, couldn't hit the heady heights of recent weeks as the Bears squeezed past Minnesota 12 points to 10. So if you were under a rock, there was week 12. And gentlemen, I now hand over to you to take the mics to tell me of those games, what do you think was the best performance of week 12 and why? Why don't you kick us off, Aldrin? Um, maybe the Cowboys. Um, I think purely for A, it was an utterly dominant display against the, what is fast becoming a worse and worse um, commander's team as the weeks go on. They're kind of... Yeah. Sam Howell bubble seems to have burst. Those couple of early season performances where he looked exciting was, um, you know, was kind of long gone. But I guess for the, um, I guess, momentous pick six, five yeah. in a season, um, I guess that was the thing for me, really, that was kind of the standout moment because never been done before. A rookie comes into the league and just takes it by storm. So, um yeah, that was it for me. I guess record-breaking pick sixes are uh, pretty special, and I think the thing the thing for me is, um, it it kind of feels like there's enough time left in the season to add to that record. You know, particularly with you know how aggressive the Cowboys' defense is and can afford to be, with people like Micah Parsons in the team. So, yeah. um, we might not be finishing at five. Yeah, a phenomenal week for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and like you say, that is a record, particularly when you look at a relatively new team, uh, a relatively new player, sorry, coming into the league who could have a very long career ahead of him in Darren Bland. Yeah. I mean, this is a record, a bit like Devin Hester. You kind of think, is this a specialism this guy could bring back year after year after year? And I mean, this is a Cowboys team that were pretty good when it came to intercepting the ball specifically, actually, wasn't it? Last season. Yeah, Trevon Diggs over. is great at that. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're, they're kind of a little feast and famine in, in that you feel that Diggs goes for the pick rather than sometimes the safer option yeah, of, yeah. of marshalling the, the receiver. But nevertheless, I mean, turnovers change games. 
and there will be bigger games than the commanders for the cowboys that you know could end up turning on one of these moments so i love it i particularly love it from you our resident cowboys naysayer that you've picked the I Cowboys mean, as being the performance of the week. They've still not beaten anybody with a winning record, as I like to share in the uh, the pod WhatsApp group. So they're still <laughs> beating jobbers. They're not beating anybody good. But I just thought for a you know for a record week for Duran Bland, it was um, yeah. pretty special. Sam Howell throws the ball a lot and has got a lot of yards this season, huge amounts of yards. But he is prone to turnovers, and maybe that was you know, whatever the opposite of the unstoppable force and the immovable object is, it just felt like a perfect match for Dallas um, in terms of what their strengths are and the weaknesses of, well, Washington ultimately. So performance of the week, the Cowboys for you, Aldrin. JB, performance of the week, please. Uh, So I usually come in with a different opinion to Aldrin and kind of deride him for not picking what I feel is the obvious choice. But and this is not going to make fantastic podcasting, but Deron Bland broke a 52 year NFL record. There is no other answer, but that it has to be that. But the thing that I just want to add to kind of what you were both saying is like, I think you made an interesting point there because obviously calling out Trayvon Dix. Bland wouldn't be playing if Diggs hadn't been injured and gone out for the season. It is incredible to the same that we throw about an awful lot. You are one way historically with like the St. Louis Rams and talking about this from a point of view of the fact that to be talking about, but for a guy to kind of come in not as a starter for the season and produce that kind of that kind of site with five weeks five games still to go for him to get another one at least is you know what it is it's just remarkable isn't it it's a brilliant story and a brilliant performance um and so if if those are our standouts i have a feeling that the reverse topic that i'm going to throw at you might lead us to a few of the bigger news stories of the week um where do you see our worst performance in week 12 being um particularly thinking that you know coaches are we're in a funny season where a couple of coaches have started to lose their jobs um frank reich has already gone could bill belichick follow him i mean have i just said the impossible or is this looking more and more likely week on week um jb why don't you keep going worst performance of week 12 please I'm going to pick carry on exactly where you just left off because it feels like we are watching the end of not just the Patriots dynasty, but we are watching the end of hall of fame coach, Bill Belichick's coaching career at the very least in new England, because like playing badly is a thing that happens. Everyone's team goes through it. Rob, yours and my team are going through it at the moment. Aldrin, your team looks promising, but you've had some bad weeks there is a difference between having bad performances, playing badly and what is going on in new England, because there appear, it's not even that they don't have answers to the questions that are being asked of them. They don't even seem to understand that they're being asked questions in the first place. And from an organization that was the trendsetter in how you did things, how you set yourselves up, how you performed to go from that 
to this is genuinely one of the biggest falls from graces I think we've seen in the league in years. And you you might call me out for being hyperbolic with that, but I, I think it's genuinely the truth. It, it's remarkable that, you know, they, they said, you know, what's the definition of insanity? It's that famous Einstein quote, isn't it? You know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's the fact that you've got Mac Jones not performing well, then subbing in Bailey Zappi, who is equally not performing well. When there are, you can't call them offensive weapons necessarily, but there are players on that offense, you know, receiving players, certainly more than running backs, you know, who have, you know, decent careers under their belt, who, who should be options, who should allow them to put drives together and put up a certain amount of points. I mean, against a Giants team that are playing fast and are playing aggressive. I mean, I still like, I think Thibodeau's actually having a great year in spite of everything that's going on around him. You know, there was just so little and they had to beat, what, 10 points. You know, a field goal kicker that, that certainly didn't help, but that is an offensive unit that is just utterly broken. And I don't know, maybe there is a plan that they wait. There is obviously some, you know, generational type talents that we've got coming into the draft this year. But I mean, it does feel like the Broncos, the Bears, you know, some of these teams that we thought were going to really struggle. I mean, even the Texans seem to have corrected, seem to have adjusted, seem to have found their way. The greatest coach in the history of this game doesn't seem to have done anything similar with his charges in New England. That's the thing that's remarkable for me. Um, Aldrin, where would you take us? I mean, you obviously have a a history of following a Frank Reich-led football team. So maybe we'll come to that as a separate topic, if you like. But where do you see the absolute worst of the worst in Week 12? There is only one correct answer in this, and it is the dour, dismal, terrible, awful, tedious affair that was the Vikings against the Bears, where one solitary touchdown was scored and neither team looked like they'd played NFL football before. So... It's only one answer from me, and it is just that, because all over, it was just bobbins. Josh Dobbs, again, they're so kind of novelties. Bobbins and bobbins. See what, see what I've done there. Yeah, you know, that really translate across the across the ponds where I use yeah. English English colloquialisms. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Josh Dobb effect has kind of worn off. You know, he had the little bump in Arizona and then tailed off, couldn't run the offense consistently over a period of time. Seems to seems to have happened in here, and it's the reason he's on, what, his fifth team in however many seasons and never really stuck with anyone. Um, on the other side, it's weird because uh, Fields has so much promise on occasion, and yet sometimes I can see why Bears fans get frustrated. I mean, that offensive line is just awful so porous equally i do feel fields panics too much and doesn't keep his eyes downfield look for his roots and look for the receivers uh the play calling is just terrible in chicago they you know the vikings got a lot of pressure on fields and they didn't really do anything to combat it you know they they just tried every screen imaginable and yet never really progressed the ball, and it wasn't working, so you need to change something. But I think, yeah, just that whole game was awful. 
apparently there are highlights on YouTube. I wouldn't recommend you watch them. Save your four no. minutes, 30 seconds or whatever it is and watch something else. No, I mean, the the thing is, and I, I can only speak really in, as an Arizona fan, that at times in previous seasons in Arizona with Kyler Murray, we've had the same thing where it feels like every play is a run pass option involving the quarterback because ultimately the quarterback isn't given time to throw. So every second or third play becomes a, a scramble. And and the thing about quarterbacks like Fields, like Kyler Murray, like Lamar is when you've got that thought in their mind, it's very difficult to get any other aspect of the offense into any kind of rhythm because you're not calling your atypical first down play, your atypical second and third down plays. You know, you, you're ultimately just picking every next play on the fly. You know, the game plan kind of goes out the window. And, I mean, you think the pieces are there, or there are some pieces, I should say, in Chicago. But my concern with Chicago, and, and maybe this is a bit harsh, is that, that they'll be good enough that they won't change their coach and have next year look just like the previous two. I mean, you know, there are only so many coaches that will be fired. If there is some promise shown, there is an argument that they didn't have key players at good times through the season. Injuries have kind of caused them problems. But yeah, the the problem I have is I'd rather as a Bears fan as be bad and it leads to change than be mediocre and stick with the same. And yeah, I, I think coaching is maybe some of the problem personnel's undoubtedly some as well whereas in minnesota at least you can point to star players on the sidelines and and have a bit of a sense as to where it went wrong but yeah i um i like those as our highs and lows of week 12 so let's quickly loop back to it um aldrin you can lead us with this one what do you think about the decision for carolina to move on from frank reich um, little premature in my, uh, maybe not. I mean, it's been a bit of a disjointed season, hasn't it? He gave away play calling duties, then took it back. Nothing seems to really have worked. I mean, offensively, they're terrible. There's no run game. Bryce Young does not look like a first round draft pick, if I'm being brutally no. honest. Um, he looks a long way short of that. And that's, you know, some of that's play calling, some of that's talent around him, et cetera, et cetera. But they've got good enough players for him to be making plays. You know, CJ yeah. Stroud is making moves at the Texans with not a great receiving court. And I'll, you know, come on to it because I think CJ Stroud and Tank Dell are probably the the best rookie pairing we've seen in a very long time. Um, yeah. But, you know, other than that, you know, he's making things happen with not super stellar receivers alongside that. Bryce Young has got Adam Thielen. You know, they've got a lot of weapons. Hayden Hurst, they've got good players, um, and they're not really getting it done. So, um, yeah, it's a weird decision. I mean, is it? It feels very much like something Tepper would do, um, lead yeah. an organisation into chaos, not decide what he wants to do with it, chop and change halfway through and leave the whole organisation in disarray. It felt last year the opportunity was there to retain Steve Wilkes and kind of build yeah. on a bit of that momentum that they had. He didn't do that. He went with the, I guess, the name over the performances that they'd seen in front of them and thought that, yeah. you know, Frank Wright could do more. Um, so I think that was the big mistake. I don't really rate the GM either. I think the people he's brought in have not been good enough. You know, they've gave away 
next year's draft as well, which will undoubtedly be the first pick on the board, you know, to the Chicago Bears uh, for Bryce Young when they could have picked CJ Stroud wherever they wanted and, and probably been a much better organization for it. So, um, yeah, weird decision, but not out of the realms of possibility when it comes to the Carolina Panthers being in disarray. So bizarre that David Tepper was the guy who was going to revolutionise the game. Gave Matt Rule that really long contract, do you remember, and had this idea of building, oh yeah, that was a terrible idea too. Building this, you know, this this completely changed model for the NFL to build a franchise, and um, yeah, it looks problematic. I mean, you you have to treat, I think, Bryce Young's season next season as a second rookie season if it's going to be a new coaching staff and a new kind of entirely new never philosophy. ends well though does it these no. young quarterbacks when they rotate through offensive coordinators and head coaches it never works long term they always about struggle it it's it's as much about where you land as who let you know the player is only part of it in the nfl and and i feel sorry for bryce young um because there's clearly a talent there i mean a lot of people had him going that high up you know and if you'd have put a lot of teams in the panthers position they'd have made the same pick but yeah frank wright just looked tired I thought on the sideline. Yeah, on, it didn't look Sunday, it, did he? You know, he, he just looked like a tired guy who, you know, I don't think gets any opportunity to be a head coach of an NFL team in a hurry, if not again. Normally they say for your third chance, you need to have made it to a Super Bowl, don't you? I think is the, the general rule of thumb. And um, yeah, a real pity. Um, but yeah, Steve Wilkes could have done very different things i understand the logic you're bringing in a young quarterback bringing a guy who can develop him but wilkes had them playing better and um yeah definite missed opportunity um jb do you want to talk more frank reich or shall we move forward with the topic of tank dell and what he's been able to do with cj stroud as a houston texan let's let's talk a bit more positively so let's let's talk about tank dell because as a guy who at the start of the season said the Houston Texans were absolutely going to be the worst team in the league, boy, was I wrong. And I will continue to reference this because it's important to own your mistakes on this podcast in general. I don't know why I specified on this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I think what an incredible like revelation of a combination that, that like Stroud has been with Tank Dell, but that, amazing run and catch he had that got pulled back by whatever it is that the referees think they saw there is a topic for another day um but no just very i was about to say unheralded out of college for both of them which i think is interesting to say when like we're talking about cj stroud being unheralded when he was what the the number two pick yeah could you know in conversation for the first but even then i don't think anybody has seen this coming no. a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks around like test scores and what those kinds of things mean because obviously stroud scores said he wasn't intelligent enough to run an nfl off. offense i know really yeah sure whatever you say said um, that about josh allen as well didn't they Arm yeah. talent but wouldn't be able to lead an nfl offense wow um, but it's it's not just CJ Stroud doing it by himself. He has been like impeccable at times, incredible at others. You have to have that partnership. You have to have that pairing. We look at Gronk. Uh, the Brady's greatest sort of uh, seasons came when he had Gronk to lean on. We look at Mahomes and Kelsey. It feels a little bit like 
the Texans have already narrowed, like nailed in on Stroud to Dell being the the guarantee, yep. the play that's going to give you. Like if you need, like slightly borrowing, is it uh, Ron Wolfley, Craig Wolfley's saying, like if you need four yards, Tank Dell will get you four yards. If you need fifty yards, you can have a feeling that Stroud to Dell will get you fifty yards. It it seems unstoppable. I mean, they they are this year's. What are they? Burrow and Chase. I mean, what's the most recent kind of? But but then Hurst I suppose Brown? Chase. Maybe yeah. I mean, I mean, like you said. I mean, Jamar Chase came out with a lot of fanfare. People expected big things. Tank Dell particularly has been has been a revelation. But Aldrin, you led us here. So your thoughts on Stroud to Dell, not only this year but for many years to come. Do we think? Yeah, they seem to have that. Um real connection really early you know sometimes it takes a while for quarterbacks and receivers to build that particularly when you're talking about two rookies that are learning the game not in a great franchise you know it's not like they can learn from great talent around them they've not got you know experienced veterans that are really talented um so they're they've kind of been thrown in had to lead the franchise and and mature into the game kind of on their own. Yeah. So what they've done, I think, has been exceptional. Like JB said, I mean, Stroud has been pretty much lights out. And apart from one pretty sloppy game, been relatively error-free. You know, he's kept the ball secure and safe. And Tank Dell is a big part of that because he's got incredible hands. And when he's got the ball in his hands, he's electric. So, yeah, I, I think it's an, a really exciting duo. You know, if the Texans, I hate to say it because we're in their division, but if the Texans put a few good pieces around them and they can keep, you know, Pierce healthy at running back and others, yeah. you know, I mean, even Singletary's um, actually having a pretty good season. So, you know, if they can add some talent and keep their better players healthy, then... Yeah, they they could be a real force because if you think they've not got a great running game at the minute and they've not got great blocking and great tight ends, if they can add a few good pieces in and around that, then give CJ Stroud a bit more time to cook and it, it could be really special. So, yeah, great partnership, you know, good draft picks, I must say. And, um, yeah. yeah, they've really settled in well. Great job by D'Amico Ryans as well. I mean, obviously a former player there, so obviously loved there, but not like Reich. You know, they brought in a young quarterback to ultimately led, be led by a defensive head coach. And it's great to see that sometimes just good coaching and good fundamentals ultimately, you know, overcome all of those kind of more tangible elements. You know, that work ethic, that attitude he's brought in is amazing. Um, and before we swing across to the second part of our odd pod and get into our club dub picks, This week's No Google All Noodle is kind of loosely tied to CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans. It's No Google All Noodle. So CJ Stroud on his current trajectory, along with the Texans, mean that he has a chance to do something that is rarely achieved in the National Football League, namely be a first-round quarterback picked who wins a playoff game in their rookie season. So this week's No Google All Noodle, which I'll come back to you at the end of the show, is who was the last first-round rookie quarterback 
who won a playoff game. So in their rookie season, they won a playoff game where a quarterback picked in the first round. I'm going to come back to you for answers a little bit later on. But let me swing into the second part. We've got some great games this week and a really bad game that me and JB are going to pick because it's our teams involved. Um, but Aldrin, why don't you tell us your game of the week for the week ahead? And then once you've talked us through it, put one of those teams beyond the velvet rope into club dub. Thanks. Well, I said to JB earlier, I'm going to be incredibly self-indulgent today and I'm going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts for once and um, facing off against the Titans. And it, it's been a, um, an interesting season, particularly for our division. You know, I think the Texans have almost come out of nowhere, having for the last few seasons been a pretty comfortable basement dweller. You've got the Titans who have gone from top of the division to looking like the worst team in the division. Mm. Um, and then us and the Jags plodding along, the Jags looking good, us with injury problems, GM slash running back problems, and yet, we're actually starting to put together a pretty good season. Um, certainly better than I was anticipating where we might be at. It's, it's It's been an odd season for the Colts, I think, because Anthony Richardson kind of came in, showed so much promise, looked really electric, but then kept putting himself in situations where he's going to get hurt. A little bit RG3 style. Um, yeah. Ultimately ended up with a nasty shoulder injury and i think the colts probably did what the colts needed to do and that was take richardson out of the firing line make sure he got fully healthy and save him from himself because he feels like the kind of player that would have you know tried to carry on plow through do his rehab and come back in five or six weeks re-injure it be a problem so um i think that was sensible i think the fact that we had gardner Minshew as backup was part of that reason you know if we'd had uh just sam erlinger or we'd had some random rookies then maybe we wouldn't have been so keen to move that direction but we did and we we put gardner Minshew in and you know we talked about it a few times but he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league um and pretty happy that we have him because of that and then we had the whole Jonathan Taylor situation, wanted out of Indy, wanted a new contract. Indy dug the heels in and said no, shopped him around. Nobody wanted to pay what would be necessary to get him. And ultimately we come to an agreement. Jonathan Taylor's back in the lineup and he's firing again. So all of that said, I still thought we'd struggle. You know, we're not a very complete team. Wide receiver is still a problem for me although there's some highlights in Pittman and Josh Downs I've been really happy with he's he's been a really big contributor in Downs um and yeah I just thought defensively we'd be okay not great we've had Shaq Leonard be cut recently and that um was maybe one that stung a little bit because well, not only have I got his jersey and a signed ball from him but um <laughs> apart from that um, he's a great player, but this year did see a downturn. You know, we mm. played him a little more sparingly, but certainly his numbers were not where his, his uh, pre-injury, pre-surgery numbers were. And all over, he felt like he was struggling. So 
I mean, I, I still would have persevered. I think there's a great player in there. And if he ends up somewhere like the Dallas Cowboys, then yeah, looking likely. Geez, he's going to have a, a, a good year potentially, but you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs, particularly across the organization. And the fact that we keep winning games, um, we've got a great kicker in Matt Gay that, you know, is uh, apart from one kick at the weekend is pretty much money all year. He's been one of the better kickers around and, well, he's won us plenty of games with 50-plus yard field goals that he's made. Um, but I guess that's enough about the Colts because I've I've talked about them enough. Titans-wise, strange. They're a weird franchise. It, it's felt a little bit like the last few seasons. They've not been found out, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Because they've done all right, not great, but everybody around them has been pretty poor. And what they've ultimately done is just run Derek Henry over people yeah, and not really had to do a whole lot else. And this year, I mean, aside from the weekend where they did just run Derek Henry and he did just steamroll people, um, they haven't been able to rely on that. They've gone to the air a lot more, and that's purposefully by design, clearly, because you don't bring in DeAndre Hopkins and draft other players in and around them at wide receiver um, to not throw the ball. But then they've had their own quarterback change changes, I guess, um, where they finally landed on Will Levis, who I think we all said would be the starter by week seven, week eight. And lo and behold, there he was, injury or, or not to your starter. It was always going to happen. And he's been... Good, but not great. I think pretty much as advertised when he came out of college. Big arm, big talent, can fling the ball down the field, but needs to learn, needs to improve, is going to be a uh, a more longer-term project, I guess. So for me, they've got to stick with Levis, and I think it was sensible that they called him the starter, regardless of Tannehill being fit, because he's going to be the future of that franchise. The fact that in what his first or second game, they actually found the, the end zone through the air and it was a good connection with DeAndre Hopkins. And I think what he got three, four touchdowns and mm. that 10 million yards where Levis just hung it up there and got him to go and chase. Um, but they're an odd franchise. Defensively, they're abysmal. I mean, I hate to say it, but they just don't yeah. get turnovers. You know, they just don't turn over the ball enough. They're one of the worst ranked teams in turnovers. And equally, they turn over the ball a lot. So the fact is that the defense on the field a lot in bad field position, and then they don't really get pressure on the quarterback. They don't, you know, create turnovers or force fumbles and Kevin Byard's left, you know, they've lost good pieces. So I think overall they feel definitely in a rebuild situation. I think what they need to do is put more talent around Will Levis next year. Um, will Derek Henry still be there? I don't know, because even though he's still such an integral piece of the team, um, Tajay Spears has looked good in spot relief of him. And like, don't get me wrong, Derek Henry is a million miles better than him, and nobody would want to face Derek Henry. But ultimately, we've seen running backs don't get paid. You bring in guys off the street, and they do a really good job. So it's not like you can't find people to replace, and when you're on the hook for a lot of money at the running back position, one injury is a career done. So um, they're an odd franchise, but um, yeah, it's it's unlike last year. I feel pretty confident going up against the Tennessee Titans. Um, remarkable that you say it, isn't it? I mean, firstly to mention your point. So this year in the NFL, 
kickers will earn more on average than running backs, which I think is a real kind of, and I mean, kickers aren't paid a huge amount, averaging, what, two million a season, a kicker. So for running backs to be lower than that, it kind of gives you a sense of where running um, in relation to the league. A- anyway, um, I think they do need to rebuild. They obviously went and got Hopkins trying to correct the mistake or at least fill the hole left by trading away AJ Brown. But there isn't the right level of talent around them to just simply plug those holes and go again. I think Will Levis will get talent around him in years to come. I think next year it might get a bit worse before it gets better. And actually your point on the Colts, all I'm going to say is I agree with you about Gardner Minshew. You know, this year we are on pace to have more starters, more different quarterbacks start games in the league than ever before. And having a really good backup is really, really important if you want to be competitive. And and that's what the Colts, and to be fair, teams like the Browns seem to have over a lot of others. So, yeah, I like it as a matchup. I love a divisional game. I think two teams moving, I mean, maybe very slowly, but nevertheless moving in different directions. Um, Yeah, as a Colts fan, I think you are very fortunate to be feeling upbeat when you think about everything that's happened this season, but upbeat I would feel if I were you as well. JB, thoughts before we let Aldrin anoint, well, I mean, it feels somewhat of a formality, but who who might it be? But before Aldrin makes his big decision, who ascend into club dub, thoughts for you, sir? I, again, I, my thoughts kind of echo the both of you. I think this has to be, a, a rebuild a proper rebuild for the titans um i think what they've tried to do the last couple of seasons is like stealth rebuild while still trying to be competitive and it didn't work last season it's absolutely not worked this season i think they need to think about what kind of team they want to be and work for it because the i was about to say the, the years of riding derrick henry consistently have to be coming to an end now Although if there ever there was a running back that could kind of replace Adrian Peterson as the guy who does the things you don't expect, it's Derek Henry. Um, from a Colts point of view, losing Richardson that early in the season when there was that much promise around it could have been like the 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 alarm bells could have been the the doom for the season. But you you know me, I I am always a big fan of Minshew mania, and um, it's. It's just nice, like, and it's really corny to say, it's just nice to watch him do well. It's it's nice to to see how successful he can be. Um, and I think Shane Steichen, Steichen is yeah. doing, a, doing a really good job. I think it has to be in the consideration for if there was a rookie coach of the year. I think, like, he's done really well to kind of pull the Colts through kind of several kind of moments of, oh, you know, it looks a bit wrong to then end up in that kind of situation of victory at the end of it. Just good teams find a way to win. And ultimately at the end of it, the Colts are finding ways to win. Who could Aldrin be putting in club dub? Yeah. I mean, I'm also going to say D'Amico Ryan's also goes ahead of Steichen in rookie head coach of the year for me, but, but you know, he's in the mix. You're right to have him in the mix. So Aldrin, we're over to you. Uh, The team and why please going beyond the velvet rope. Obviously the best team in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts. Which means our odd pod has just one final stop JB. 
and it is a moment that is um, momentous for both of us as fans of both the Pittsburgh Steelers, in your case, the Arizona Cardinals in mine. Um, most famously, they met in a Super Bowl. Um, this week is not quite as grand uh, or exciting a matchup, but nevertheless, it's a game that will mean a lot to fans like us who sit on either side of the divide. So why don't you talk to us about your game of the week? I mean, I should really at this point ask you what it is, but I've, I've kind of blown your cover there, haven't I? Why don't you talk to us about your game of the week and just where you think this could be won and lost? Or with these two teams, it almost feels like lost and lost, doesn't it? Um, right, over to you. It's, it, it is, of course, the clash between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals. These games, they come round every once in a while and they create the wonderful, awkward atmosphere, particularly when they're in Pittsburgh and are at six o'clock. So we then have to spend a further three hours with one of us in a bad mood because the, their team has lost, while the other one is trying not to be too happy about it to spare the other's feelings. Um, it's not going how either team, I think, really expected that it would. I think both teams had higher expectations than they have been able to achieve, but both teams have still showing promise. I think we were talking about the Cardinals first. Kyler being back does look like it makes a difference for that team. He is a dynamic quarterback that can win you games and can do the impossible when the impossible is needed. Is the team around him of the same caliber? No, not yet, but there are flashes of things. Um, I thought Dorch had a really, really great show in uh, at the weekend. Um, Light the Dorch, I think, might be my favorite thing that I have heard in this last week. Um, Marquis wide receiver Brown on occasion has shown up. Um, and it's those kind of players that they need. I think from a genuine point of view, kind of like the, the, the Titans, the Cardinals feel like they are at a point where they need a serious rebuild and a serious sorting out of what is the identity of this organization. I don't necessarily blame them for not having worked that out this season because they haven't had their franchise quarterback and it's hard to work out where you are as a team when you're missing your probable best player what happens with Jonathan Gannon and Kyler Murray and everybody I think is going to be really important for the end of the season rather than now and I think it's for the Cardinals point of view it's now playing to show who you can be for next season rather than necessarily making a bid for playoff contention or anything like that although they're still not out of it yet it's still a possibility. Let's see. From a Steelers point of view, this was a team that there was a lot of hype and good feeling about in the preseason. There was uh, like talking about like Kenny Pickett's number of drives in the preseason, matching his number of touchdowns. And then when we came out into the season and we got back into that Matt Canada style offense of just not really producing anything, everything started to come crumbling down again. I don't think the Steelers are a bad team. I don't think the Steelers have bad players. I think the Steelers have got quality on both sides of the ball. I don't think they're being utilised correctly. Case in point for the fact that the stat of the Steelers had the fir- had their first 400-yard offensive game since, what, like two or three seasons at most? And yeah. that kind of says how bad things have been and how refreshing it was to see actual like downfield passing on Sunday. Like, yes, 
there still weren't a lot of points on the board. We still need to solve that. But at least we were trying. At least we looked like we were trying to run a functional offense rather than anything else. The good thing we can count on is the defense. The defense is very good, is is swarming at times, and is very much a team that when they get like the, you can see when they get the bit in their teeth, they really kind of chomp down on it and can restrict it. I think it's going to be an interesting game to see. It might not necessarily be a high-scoring game, but if the defense can't keep a hold of, for the Steelers can't keep a hold of Kyler Murray, then it might have to be a high-scoring game because if the Cardinals start putting up points, the Steelers are going to have to match to have a hope of it. It's it's a weird one. I mean, my Cardinals' view is our team was not great going into this season and has just been decimated by injuries. I mean, in the secondary at the weekend, we had three rookie cornerbacks playing against Puka Nakua, against, you know, Matt Stafford, against Cooper Cup. You know, you, you, you just don't stand up well in those kind of situations. And, and I think the the receiving core of, of the Rams absolutely feasted. The other problem that the Cardinals have got is they're missing key players, linebackers. We've got Savin Collins, who's been in and out and injured, kind of back now, but still not healthy. Um, White, I think we're missing enormously as a defensive captain. So it's a funny one because normally you'd say we've had a defense that have kept us in games when, you know, our Josh Dobbs-led offense wasn't particularly firing all the time. And then at the point where you feel the offense maybe has a slightly better chance, um, the defence and defensive injuries seem to have pulled that rug from from under Kyler Murray, really. I think Brown is playing injured at wide receiver. Um, there's a couple of pieces we're missing, but Rondell Moore and Dorch, I mean, as much as I like them, actually, they're similar players. And I think what we kind of want is some of those big-bodied receivers back. I mean, they're starting to use Trey McBride more because of Zach Ertz himself being out, but Michael Wilson being out is a loss. Not really because of what he can do on his own. I still think he's got a lot to prove and a lot of development, but because he just removes a dimension, you know, he removes that kind of big bodied um, receiver. Um, for, for the Steelers, I don't feel quite as positive about their offense as you do. I think Najee Harris, I'm still waiting for him to show that he can absolutely be a in terms of the quarterback, I mean, the song tells me, can he pick it? Yes, he can. I'm just not quite singing to that tune yet. Um, I'm not sold. And I think it's a weird one. I think the Steelers will almost be able to flatter to deceive at the weekend. They will not have to do much on offense to be able to put up yards and points on the Cardinals. It's then, can the Cardinals offense you know, welcoming back maybe a couple of pieces fit, maybe another week, you know, with, with James Connor will mean he has a little more of a, uh, of an explosive first step. Um, uh, I don't know. Overall, I think the Cardinals need a lot of things to go right for them to be competitive this weekend. I think this feels like the Steelers game to lose. I agree. I mean, you two are both closer to both teams, so I'm not going to um, dwell on it too much as an outsider. Both teams suck quite a lot. They're both tedious to watch. I hate to say it for both of you because I know you have to endure it every week, but the Steelers are just 
terrible offensively. The defense is exciting to watch. TJ Watt is unreal, as is a lot of the, you know, a lot of the other talent they have on defense, and they're still missing some very good players on defense as well. So they 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 can still get better. Offensively, though, just awful. I don't think Pickett is the answer at all. Um, Pickens had a good game. Like you said, JB, they actually looked downfield for him. But even still, we're only talking one or two receptions. You know, we're not talking a dominant 150-yard, two-touchdown performance like many of the top receivers are doing. Um, Najee Harris is um, the second running back in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's ever going to be the first anymore. I think Warren has comfortably outstripped him already. Cardinals, like you said, Rob, missing a lot everywhere, but just overall, even when they're fit and healthy, it's just a real dearth of talent. You know, you listed off a few of the wide receiver names there. None of them being fit and healthy makes all that much difference. You know, they're not, it's not Keenan Allen or, um, Mike Evans getting back healthy, is it? You know, yeah, they're big bodies and Wilson's going to make a difference, but it's not going to dominate like an AJ Brown or others. You know, they're good players, not great players. And I think that's the overall message with the the Cardinals. Yeah, they've got injury problems, but even when they're fully fit, that's not a good roster. Um, Yeah, so sorry, guys. It's not the best best review I can give you, but it's an honest one. In a, in a week where the Falcons have won again, and the Giants have won again. I do think, you know, the Cardinals could have maybe had a better year with people healthy. But yeah, it, it's a, a tough, but I think accurate summation. A um, couple of tire fires, JB, but you're about to give one of those rosters the night of their life. Living it up in Club Dub. Who's it going to be? This this team is going to be living it up in Club Dub as you and I sit awkwardly on the sofa trying not to talk about the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this weekend. So there we go. A week recapped. Teams in Club Dub. So all that stands between us and the end of another glorious gold standard podcast is our two most favourite pieces of AOB. Um, JB, I will go first before handing over duties to you with our Pick'em tallies for week 12, um, because it's the return, the answer for no Google all noodle. So I said to you with CJ Stroud on a run, potentially looking like a first round rookie quarterback who could win a playoff game. I wanted to know who was the last first round rookie quarterback to win a playoff game of course in in their rookie season as i'm referring to them as a rookie qb so jb would you like to go first with your guest please realized i've forgotten about the first round quarterback here so i i decided on my answer and then just oh did you say out. first round yeah. yes not he was a first round rookie, rookie yeah. Oh, yeah okay I mean, all right Last my second season, answer then. Last season, <laughs> yeah. the San Francisco 49ers might have had yeah. He definitely um, wasn't a first-round pick, though. I'll go for my second answer then. Okay. I wrote yeah. two names yeah. we'll, down. Aldrin, go first, then we'll have a quick scramble. Um, So if it wasn't Brock Purdy, because obviously he wasn't the first-round draft, first yeah, draft pick, the other name I wrote down on my list was uh, Russell Wilson. No, because nice. Russell Wilson's not a first-round quarterback. He was third-round. Oh, sheesh. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. Well, both of my answers are terrible. Because this, this is the thing. I've just merely thought, well, Dak won one, but Dak was a third or fourth rounder as well. Six. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah. Lower. 
Oh, geez, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, this, this, I, I don't know in listener land Tragic. if you are feeling this yeah. tension the way I, I'm feeling I, this tension. I, can, right, you get, I'm, I'm, can you get the I music in? I can't get past this. I'm going to say Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is not correct. Aldrin, do you have a guess beyond Russell Wilson? Not anymore. No, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that whole first round thing and forgot he wasn't first. Um, what, want a clue? Um, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is a reasonable guess. Again, not right. But I will give you the year. All right. 2009 is the year. Oh, dear, that doesn't really help. Sam Bradford? <laughs> no, no. Are you ready to be put out of your misery yeah. or do you want another clue? No, I no, think put yeah. us down. We're not going to get it. We've dragged this out enough. This was a team in green hailing from New York. Not Mark Sanchez. Mark no. Sanchez was the last first round quarterback to win a playoff game in his rookie. I forgot season. he was even a quarterback, never mind a first round one. <laughs> like you, Hot you, dog you could have given me Mark. fifteen minutes and I never would have come up with Mark Sanchez. Nope. Well Tebow won his first playoff game in his second season the following year because he only became the starter in his second year in Denver. So there's a few that are kind of in and around. But, yeah, Mark Sanchez, last first-round rookie QB to win a playoff game in their first year. Um, so, JB, round us out. The fat lady is almost ready to sing, but first we need to know who came top of our pickums in Week 12. Well, unfortunately, due to no records registered, PB is bringing up the rear this week with a zero and zero. Neil Poir, After- love that. After that, it is then JB and Aldrin on 11 and 5, which means Rob Rose takes the victory with a 14 and 2. No! Yeah, you only, you only put two, foot, two feet wrong. Yes, um, which was the Browns. Browns yep. game did I pick wrong? I'm trying to think no. where I went wrong. Uh you it was the Browns and the Oh no, hang on, sorry. 13 and 3. I'll I'll still take it. 13 and 3, sorry, because you got the you went with the Lions, you went with the Buccaneers and you went with the Browns. Oh. And obviously that was the Broncos, the Colts and the Packers. But if it helps, none of us saw the Packers winning coming. Nope. No. 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 Well, um, I'm so, proud. So why don't you give us the running totals for this season? Because I've so moved off on the season. This is exciting. Rob Rose and Aldrin, three wins each. JB, four wins. PB, five wins. It is all to play for with five to go. Remember, everybody, you can follow our little Pick'em game or send us your own picks on our various social channels. And if you want to get in touch you can email us at clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Just, just a quick one. Um, the majority of emails this week were for people offering to build us a website, which is lovely, but I, I think we've got other things. I mean, this is a guy who locked his own car keys in his car today. We're not ready for those kind of giant leaps, really. Um, but gentlemen, gold standard podcasting as always. Thank you for joining me for the special event that is the Odd Pod, and I'll catch up with you all next week. 
Thanks, Rob. Thanks a lot. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. Again.